Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Everybody, this interview has everything. <laughs> it's got six foot bullwhips. It's got mountain lions. It's got Prince. It's got Joel Gray. What more could you possibly ask of us? <laughs> I love. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, you have you have three humans up here at the top with you. Sorry, uh, that, sorry. That I think was Jenny. I'm pretty sure. It was Jenny. It's me, Jenny. Uh, who got to? We're we're about to bring you, roll you right into our conversation with Sharon Ferguson, who plays Senea on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Alba is here with us. Alba, you and I did this interview together. Yes, we did. What a time! I mean, truly, like so much fun. It was the first time that you and I have ever interviewed somebody together, and like, what a way to kick it off! I'll tell you what. <laughs> I have literally never met anyone so cool. I don't think I have ever oh met such a cool person in my whole life. Same. I Same. like felt like shirt like she radiated power through the screen. I know. It's like you you'll get it. You'll you'll get it listening. You will, but I will say that like Alba and I got to not only hear this. Uh, interview. We not only got to hear Sharon talk to us and answer these questions, but we also got to like see her as she was answering these things. Can we just talk about her outfit? You can and you should. She was wearing this like gorgeous ruby red shirt with this beautiful red necklace and like blue sapphire blue eyeshadow it just was it was a lot for for everyone involved it was a lot for alba it was a lot for me but we persevered um we kept our composure and we made it through but i like i in all seriousness <laughs> we held it together we held it together we hope that we uh, did a good job for you but it doesn't really matter what we did because um sharon you're, you're just gonna listen we should stop we should stop teasing it so much where we've gotten to like the american <laughs> idol level of teasing the thing before we give you the thing um but i will say like holy shit thank you so much sharon ferguson for talking with us um we had such a wonderful conversation and you'll you can see all this in the show notes and we talk about it a little bit in the interview but i just want to let everyone know that so sharon is a dancer you'll hear her talking about um, her experience as a dancer um, but she specifically does a show she MCs the show right now called Cherry Boom Boom you can learn more about it at cherryboomboom.com um, it's described as an immersive Americana rock and roll dance show it's like uh, it's like very like cabaret uh, I mean it, it, I, you just have to check it out and tonight like this very night that you're hearing this interview hopefully uh, if you've listened to it when it's released friday the 21st of august at 7 p.m pacific 10 p.m eastern cherry boom boom is doing i think their first online streaming show and it is going to be emceed by sharon so i mean Ooh. the timing could not be better for you go run run <laughs> run run, run. Um, seriously check run. That out. You, you need to see her live you need to 
Okay, so before we get into this conversation with Sharon, which I swear to you, we will, uh, we want to bring you into the news. If you haven't heard it already uh, in the Angel on Top universe, this past Wednesday, Brittany and Laura, who have hosted the first two seasons of Angel on Top, announced that they would be stepping down as the central voices of the podcast, moving into season three of Angel, uh, and that we are all very honored and excited to be welcoming Latoya Ferguson into the Angel on Top verse as our new anchor host this fall. Hell yeah. It's going to rock. We will talk to you all more in next week's finale episode ah, (laughs) about our hopes and dreams for the coming year of conversations surrounding our broodiest vampires, Queen Cordelia, powerful queer witches, Slayers, Scoobies, Gileses, and more. But for the moment, we just want to say that we are so, so excited that we're going to be working with LaToya moving into season three. Uh, You most recently heard LaToya here in our universe alongside Alana Bennett and Ira Madison III in a deep dive into race in the Buffy and Angel verses. LaToya has also talked about Buffy and Angel at length on past episodes of Angel on Top and on Slayer Fest 98 with friend of the pod Ian Carlos Crawford. (laughs) She also hosts a podcast about the Vampire Diaries right now called Empire Diaries and she's an expert on women's wrestling and wrote a goddamn book about it and she knows more about these shows than probably anyone we've ever known maybe more than anyone on earth could it be truly it's it's very it's very exciting uh you're gonna see if you don't already know you're gonna know very soon uh we also just want to say that we are so thankful of course we are to Brittany and laura for everything that they created in the angel on top universe over the past two years they have been hilarious they have been insightful they brought us Newer understandings of love languages, demon exorcisms. They taught us the value, of course, of flirting, understanding, consent, and kissing. And they brought us the iconic Bye for Boreana's jingle. If you don't know that, you probably want to get on over there because it's, I mean, truly one of the best of all time. Bye for Boreana. Oh, that beautiful, beautiful album. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Now you've heard it. Uh While Brittany and Laura won't be the central voices at Angel on Top moving into season three, they are both going to be back. You can't keep them away uh, on several episodes (laughs) alongside LaToya. Um, So we just wanted to bring you in. We'll talk more about this, as Jenny said in the intro to the season finale. What the fuck? Next week. Uh, But for now... Buckle your seat belts. Make sure your your whip harness is firmly fastened upon your belt. <laughs> Sharon sent us a, if you don't use social media, I encourage you to maybe use it for a minute. Sharon sent us um a photo for promo. Truly. Like we were like, what do you have a you know photo? And, um, you know, there's actually the ghost of Alba, the ghost of Kristen, and the ghost of Jenny speaking to you now because that's, that is what We've all been smited us. by the power of the photograph. She Smoked. transcended us. She gave us the ability to transcend this, like, lowly, yeah. earthly <laughs> this realm. This earthly plane. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, obviously you can tell we had a horrible time talking to Sharon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's get into the interview with the wonderful, the fucking incredible Sharon Ferguson. Uh, Here we go.
Hello. Hi, can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Hi, Sharon. Hi. Hi. I think Alba is here too. Alba, are you here? Hello. Yes, I'm here. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. We're so excited to have you. Oh, thank you so much. It's it's so interesting. This character and this show has a life of its own. It's like the <laughs> gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> so bizarre. It's wild. I googled the first Slayer for some reason the other day, mm -hmm. right before you guys sent the request. Like, Whoa. literally right before you sent the request. I was like, let me just check in, because people here and there have been sending me information. They're like, have you seen? Do you know? And I was like, well, I'm busy trying to have a career. So <laughs> But Buffy is like that, you know, Buffy is like, no, come back here. Pay attention more yeah, to me. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's bizarre. That's incredible. So you you sort of like conjured this uh, conversation into I did. existence. Well, my parents seem to think I have extra powers. So I'm like, can I figure out world peace? <laughs> Listen, start I, start here and like right, you know right. work up <laughs> yeah exactly. well peace begins you know i guess one piece at a time mm -hmm. we we usually start all the way at the beginning mm -hmm. um which is sort of you you are a, a professional actor a professional dancer mm -hmm. probably many other things that we don't even know about <laughs> Um, so can you tell us how you came to the creative career that you have? What was that like for you? Okay, I'm going to condense it. Um, I lived in New York. I, well, originally I moved to New York because I wanted to become a, a flight attendant. So I worked as a flight attendant for a few years. And then during the course of that, I discovered, not discovered dance, but a friend of mine that I was a cheerleader with at Michigan State um, was doing Broadway. And he knew that I was in New York. So he said to me, um, hey, you know, this teacher that I've been studying with is breaking down his warm up. You should come to class. And because he knew I had a passion for dance. And that's kind of like how it started. I went to that class and in that class, literally was like all the Broadway people, all the, you know, singers, dancers, actors, all of that stuff. And I was like, you can make a living doing this. Like, I don't have to like go and be a flight attendant, which I loved. It was fun. It was international. It was good. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay. So I started, you know, when I would fly in from my trips, I would go take class. I used to fly internationally. So I would go and take classes in Paris, ballet classes, jazz classes. And then one day, Joel Gray was on a flight. Yeah, Joel Gray from Cabaret. And yeah, so, and also Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes! And, so, <laughs> and you know what's really weird? We never connected after this moment. And he said to me, he was like, may I speak with you for a moment? Of course, I was, you know, he was in first class and I was working first class cabin. And he's like, what do you really want to do? Because you're much too fabulous to be doing this. And I was like, oh, oh, because I was a huge fan of cabaret. I mean, come on. And I was like, well, I like to sing and I like to dance. He was like, well, that's what you should do. You should get out of here and go do that. And literally I gave my two weeks notice and quit that job, started taking classes. And that's how I got into dance. Wow. I know it's kind of crazy, right? It's such a crazy story. 
it's it's truly it's truly a crazy story. It's an amazing story, and also like where there's no way that she would really know this. I don't think, but that where we are in the universe of talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I just finished having a conversation about Joel Gray yeah. and how much I love Joel Gray. So the fact that Joel Gray <laughs> oh has been like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are no accidents. It's very bizarre what's <laughs> happening right now. I just sometimes you know when you feel like oh maybe woulda shoulda coulda, and then something like this happens, and you're like no no no. All is right with the world. It's all good. Yes. Unreal. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, there was like no other option. I mean, if Joel Gray told you that you should <laughs> pursue acting and dancing, then it's really good that you did. <laughs> I'd already been kind of getting the feeling, you know, and um, I do have a passion for performing. So it wasn't like a big push off the cliff. I literally just was like, OK, I'm just going to focus on it. And it really worked out. I started getting auditions and then um, I ended up moving as a suggestion from a friend from New York to L.A. Because they're like in L.A., they don't have your look right now. And you would book mm-hmm. a lot of work and literally the here I am. So, OK, so Joel Gray is like, Sharon, you need to be a professional actor dancer. And you were like, OK, got it. Joel I mean, you, you did it. I'm doing it. And then you auditioned in New York and you worked in New York, but um, moved to Los Angeles. And that is where we assume the origin story of your yes. relationship to Buffy began. Yes. Well, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting, that little thing. I was a fan of the show before. And uh, I swear I should write a book. Everyone keeps telling me that. When I came to L.A., I came for a friend's wedding and just like never left because I connected with an agent and it's a long story. But um, and then through that agent, I found um, my commercial agent. I think I was in L.A. for a year or so, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'd been booking commercials and starting to really move into more like serious acting. And my agent got a call because they were looking for somebody for this role. And she submitted my commercial headshot. And I don't know if you guys know, but commercial headshots are like super <laughs> smiley and happy. They're not edgy at all. And they were looking for someone edgy. So originally they turned me down. They said, no, um, you know, she's not edgy enough. I was like, really? With this hair? Based this- on a photo, <laughs> just a photo. Yeah. Just because the photo is like very happy. It's for, you know, commercials. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she's resubmitted another photo I had. And she said, listen, everything you described is this person. I think she can do the role. Please, you know, have a look, have her come in, and then you can decide. I was the last person on the last day of the audition. Wow. It literally was like 4 o'clock. It was like 3.30 I got the call. I had to be there by 4 o'clock. I live in the Valley, which is about 45 minutes away from where the audition was. I drove Ooh. to the audition, you know, grabbed my gear, drove <laughs> to the audition. I think I got there at like 4.30. They had me come in the room and they just kind of guided me like I had to do like improv. They're like, oh, pretend like you're like stalking this person and this is what you have to do. I did it. I just kind of went into character because I'm good at like getting from dance. You know, you have to Mm -hmm. sort of lose yourself in what you're doing. And I feel like I blacked out for a second because I left the room and I was like, I don't even know what I just did. I just like let go. I left, I got in my car and I was like, well, you know, that was super fun anyways. At least I got to get into the character. I got in my car and I was driving away and my agent called and they were like, you got the job. And I was like, it's 
like, what? I was like, stop playing with me. And she said, no, 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 you got the job. And that's how I came to Buffy. But I was super stoked because I loved the show before. Amazing. So had you been, yeah, had you been watching the show since the yeah. beginning? Yeah, I'd been watching the show. Since season one? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, it was so popular at that time. It was so different. Mm -hmm. You know, Joss Whedon had such an incredible idea of pulling that all together and all the characters. I used to love Spike. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You too. You're not alone. Yeah. He was so, like, interesting. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everybody has their favorites, right? And I think at the time it was so different, right? There was really nothing like that on TV. Not really. Uh, certainly. I mean, the like the like feminist center, I think, of the show yeah. is set in this like uh, genre of sci-fi. Yeah. Concurrently, at least, it was on like with Charmed. It was of its time, I think. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. but I think yeah. Charmed came after Buffy. And I, I listeners can, can correct me if I'm wrong, but Charmed came after Buffy because Buffy was such a hit. And yeah. so they like created Charmed yeah. as a response to the fan base that came from Buffy. Yeah. And I think like also what made the show so popular was that it took like the stereotype of like the small fragile woman as like the victim all the time, suddenly like the superhero. So, yeah. I mean, we, you guys have talked about this like so much on the podcast, but I think that's really what, what changed the game in, yeah. in media and made it so popular. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of set, paved the way for everything, really. I mean, it took from some things from like the 70s and 80s of those, you know, like superhero-ish women, like kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Like my parents and stuff, it was like Cleopatra Jones and, you know, Get Christy Love and all those kinds of things. And so I, it's such a nice thing to see that that happened and that we hopefully will continue to move in that direction and keep that, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Will you talk to us a little bit about dance and this role of the first slayer, this Uh role of Sinea? Because it's clear, even if you don't know your history and that you're a dancer, it's very clear from watching the episodes that you're on that the way you move is integral to the role. And so our listeners, too, we had a lot of listeners submit questions. And one of the ones that came up most was, can Sharon talk to us about, like, how did she decide how to move as Sinea? Was that a direction from outside? Uh-huh. So will you tell us about that? Yeah, um, well, just even as a dancer who's trained to, even if it's just a simple dance role, if you can call any dance role simple, you really have to kind of come from a deeper place. That's always been a strength of mine, I think, in just being able to embody a character. And that's why I like kind of doing these kinds of characters, because you don't have to play it safe. You don't have to, um, you know, pull back. You can just go for it. And Joss was awesome because he let me do my thing pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got the script and I read the whole script, what I usually do in a situation like that where it requires movement I usually read the whole script and then I read it again and try to figure out like, who would Sinea be in relation to me being that character, so to speak? And um, and then I just kind of let a natural thing flow out. Um, they didn't say move this way or move that way, just from reading it and knowing a little bit about African, because when I was younger, I studied modern dance and African dance. And then 
taking from it my improv dance stuff because like in california a lot like when you go for auditions you have to improv sometimes they'll give you the choreography but then you have to improv and whatever that song is it could be african beats it could be jazz it could be you know hip-hop it could be anything so um, the good thing is, like, I love throwing myself into something like that. So the dance, I think, helps a lot when you have a character that actually has movement. I love to hear um, that you were given the space to do that because so like so many of the conversations we've had with actors from the show, yeah. they say, you know, it's a word perfect show, word perfect, word perfect. Like in terms of dialogue, right? Yeah. the room was never, ever there for most of the actors on the yeah. show for the dialogue so it's 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 wonderful to hear that like where movement was concerned yeah and your role has so much movement in it that you got to shape that yeah I mean yeah for sure they were a stickler for getting the information that they needed to get out (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is um it's an it's a unique combination of the words being able to get out putting the character into those words and then adding movement. And I think that was the thing that they were having trouble finding someone doing that role because you also have to have someone that like can say the words, can do the character, but then flip and then do like have the movement happen. And that's a very odd combination, good combination, but an odd combination to achieve. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's a complex character, right? There's so many layers to her. And and I think all the slayers have so much physicality to them. So finding someone who could be that physical, but also perform the role itself would be a tricky thing to do. And this kind of leads into my question. I have, um, I'm wondering if you did your stunts on the show or if you did some of them and if you had like background in that, if there was training involved, Uh what was it like? fighting Sophia Crawford, if you did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did not do my stunts myself. I wanted to because I come from a gymnastics background and dance and, you know, cheerleading. So I'm able to do a lot of things. But at that time, they were a stickler about, and I was fine with it because my stunt lady was amazing that roll down the sander yeah first of all i wanted to do that because i'm like (laughs) amazing right and so i was like that is going to be good times because i'm used to that kind of (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i was really happy to see someone else do that work because that is what she does that is her Mm -hmm. and if they have to do it a bunch of times they don't have to worry about then getting my close-up and then fixing me up for this and do that she was right. incredible, she, like really incredible and like technical, both of them. You know, I would sit there and listen to them talk about how they're going to do it, and where they're going to grab and how they're going to flip and how they're going to make it happen. And then when you look and see how much sand and dust they kicked up in that role. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. I was like, girl, anytime <laughs> I do anything that requires a stunt, I'm all about you right now, you know? And I think it's important to give credit to our stunt team because I notice a lot of people, when they do things and they do stunts, they claim that work. I, Mm. I have no problem giving that credit to someone who has trained. They do work hard for it. And they, and they're super like laid back in the cut. They're not about, 
the sunshine at all. They're about making the scene work as beautifully as possible. And then they communicate with you as well because you have to lead up to that stunt. So it has to be a natural flow into it. And then you have to come out of that stunt. So it has to be a natural flow out of it. This is a question or like a topic that we were going to bring up towards the end of the interview. But since you're like, no, I didn't do my own stunts. I'm giving credit to the stunt person and and et cetera, et cetera. I just have to bring up the fact that so Alba sent me a link and was like, (laughs) have you seen this interview with Sharon Ferguson? And it was an interview of you talking about uh, a dance that you did with, first of all, (laughs) the woman who did the stunts for Catwoman. I know. And second of all, for those of you who are like, what is Kristen talking about? The cornerstone of this dance uh, was a six foot whip that you yeah. manipulated. Yeah. So like, can you just for a second talk to us about that? <laughs> Well, first of all, the woman that did the stunts for Catwoman, she is in, I mean, like incredible, an incredible artist, choreographer, dancer, you know, she does aerial. She's been in De La Guardia. She did for Catwoman. She, you name it, she's Madonna, you know, the girly tour, all of that. So her name is Ruthie and Chow Sticky, and she's just incredible. And when she did the stunts for Catwoman, um, her and I were having a conversation, and I was like, oh, my God, that bullwhip is incredible. I love it. And I'll teach you. And I'm like... As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. So wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, 
that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. I'm in. When, what time? And so she surprised me for my birthday um, with a bullwhip. Like, she bought wow. it for me. And it was a total surprise. When I opened it, I was like, oh, my God. So the next day, we went to the park, and we started playing with it. And, and I lived, she was like, no one's ever learned it that quickly. I was like, I think it's kind of just in me. And so, yeah, we started just kind of playing, playing, playing with it. And at that time, I had been doing, uh, let me back up a little bit. Um, I started my career in California because I started working for Prince rest in peace. Um, he gave me my stage name. I used to dance and MC for him at a club downtown called Glam Slam. So through that, that's how I've been kind of MCing and doing a lot of different things in LA. The first show I did was called the Femme Fatale Cabaret, which is where the bullwhip was introduced. And then I pulled that forward to uh, Cherry Boom Boom. Um, and it's basically just me being like a dominatrix and like lassoing people and cracking it and going up to people in the audience. That bull whip is so fun wow. because when you crack that whip, it's like that sound <laughs> is very intimidating. <laughs> It must be like thunder almost. Yeah, it, it's like thunder and lightning actually in the same, mm -hmm. like the same vein. So yeah, that interview was about us after a show. We were talking about our characters in the show and what we did in that particular bull whip number. It just, you know, it, it got us all the we were already excited to talk to you but that really put it over the top I think for both of us yeah, you know it's interesting ever since Ruthie taught me that it's like it's really taken off different people have asked me do you know Erica Jane from the housewives mm -hmm. she does um she's also a singer and performer so she's asked me to do the bullwhip thing with her and wow it, it, yeah it's insane and Ruthie does double bullwhips like two hands oh, no it's insane God. That's incredible. Yeah, it's insane. I love, though, insane. that you just said so casually, like, oh, well, you know, my first show, you know, was with Prince. I was emceeing <laughs> for him. Like, no big deal. You know, he just gave me my stage name. Like, <laughs> Well, I'm trying to keep it focused to Buffy, but I owe him a lot. Like, you know, he really made my career blast off in Los Angeles and just one of the best jobs I've ever had. Like, being in his presence... I would say that his death is one of those I will never, ever, ever, ever get over. Mm. Incredible artist. There, no one will ever walk the earth like that again. Never. That's a, That could be a whole podcast literally <laughs> just on working with him, the artist that we worked for, the perfection that he asked for. Like, I mean, in rehearsals, you used to have to come to rehearsal like you were doing a show. Wow. Lashes, glitter, like full everything. And there's kind of kismet with that as well, because when I lived in New York before I moved to L.A., there was this little club um, called Nels in New York City. And it's kind of like, you know, funky, underground. It had upstairs, downstairs. And a friend of mine was a maitre d' there. And I worked there as like a coat girl, like in the beginning before I started dancing. And Prince used to come to that club. 
and he used to play a little bit, but he used to mostly come to hang out. And one day my friend said to me, hey, Prince is upstairs. You should just go, go up and just check it out. So I went up the back staircase and I went upstairs and I looked at him. And I've been a huge Prince fan forever. And I looked at him and I remembered like in my gut and I was like, one of these days, I'm going to work for you. And I said it just like that. And then I just kind of watched him. He was with his party. And of course, I had to go back to work. So I went back downstairs. And that was literally one of the first jobs I got when I came to L.A. He was looking for an MC for his show called Erotic City Downtown. He had a club called Glam Slam. And that was, I got that job. And then it just went like that. Isn't that crazy? And I was like, Listen, who knew? Alba just did a, a full interview for a recent episode with uh, a witch from Los Angeles. And like, the more you talk, the more I'm like, so you could have interviewed Sharon also about witchcraft <laughs> because you are conjuring things all over yeah. the place. It's so weird. It's so weird that that happened. But, you know, when I talk about it, I remember the exact feeling that I got when I looked mm. at him. I was so determined that it was going to happen. And mm. I remember sitting like he was I was having a meeting with him in the limousine. And I was sitting there like, wow, wow. It's like, it happened. It happened. I, just, yeah. I haven't recovered yet from us starting with you being like, Spike is so sexy and us being now with you in a limousine with Prince. You know, <laughs> like you're just casually tossing these things <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. When you think like nothing's happening, you have to remember, like, this is what I tell myself, things are brewing that you don't even know about. It may be still in this moment, but things are brewing because then you get to the next moment. You're like, oh, that's what was brewing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I know you're talking about witches and I say brew. So true. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Like, I know that Alba and I both have a lot of questions about the episode specifically, your time on set and what have you. But I feel like it would be remiss to not segue from, like, talking about Prince and your time with Prince to talking about that giant cat that was on set with you. Like, that seems like a natural place to go. Did you interact? We we said that it was a mountain lion. It was a mountain mountain lion. lion. It was a mountain lion. But he was huge. Yeah. And... I did not interact with him because, you know, they wanted to make, like I said, they wanted to make sure everything was super, super safe. And Mm -hmm. so I did not directly interact with him, but I was like, for the listener at home, Sharon leaned over and looked slyly to the side. (laughs) Yeah, it was, he was magical though. Were you in, was it Joshua Tree? We've always assumed that it was like somewhere in Joshua Tree. That, that Yes, it uh, was Joshua scene. Tree. I can't remember this exactly where though, but we were out in the desert, like sand dunes. Well, not sand dunes, but sand and crazy trees. And But they kept that cat like pretty much in his own little area. Mm-hmm. And then they shot that. I, they released me from the day when they were ready to do all of that. Let's backtrack a couple of paces from this mountain lion and talk about Restless, the first episode that you were in in the series. There are so many locations in this episode and so many different places that you shot and you shot with like every single main cast member. Like how long did shooting this episode take and how was it like interacting with the main cast members? Any stories that you have from being on set? 
I mostly interacted with Sarah um, when I first arrived on set. She was really cool, actually, because I'm a new character. They've all been working together. And so here comes this new person. And so she was really cool. She came up and introduced herself. I'm like, (laughs) 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 you know what I mean? But I think it's so lovely that she took the time to do that. She came up, said hello. We had a bit of conversation. And um, most everybody, because the roles are so intense and you have a lot of dialogue and everyone kind of hunkered down, so to speak. I mean, we spoke when there was time for like a little break in between setting up shots, but most everybody just kind of hunkered down. We were all focused on what we needed to do. And of course, when we were together, there was small talk, but most people were kind of like in their heads about what they needed to do. And did you, I mean, I'm assuming that you came to the show as a, as a one episode character, not knowing that you would be back again. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> We had this like totally skewed idea of how TV worked before we started interviewing (laughs) actors on the show. We'd be like, so how much did you know? And everyone consistently has been like, I knew the one episode, then I knew the next one had happened. Yeah. So tell us like, you know, you came to the set, you auditioned, you had this immediate, like you read and you got the part before you even like left the part. Oh my God, I was driving home like, (laughs) yeah. And then, and then what, right? Like, then does a script come to you, like to your door? Do you read the character and, you know, how, what, what's next in that process? And what was coming to Restless like, like your thoughts on Senea as that character in that episode? Um, well, the next step in the process, so I would drive home and then, of course, they would figure out the contracts and all of that through my agency. Then they figured out the days I, they already the uh, Joss knew already which days he was going to shoot. So then that information then came to me. And so we could kind of figure out wardrobe. And so that's kind of the next step. You get the full script of what it's going to be. And so you can reread and then you get your sides for the individual scenes that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next step is creating the look of the character. They had to figure out what they were going to do, how they were going to do it. So that process was actually kind of interesting because then I got together with wardrobe and makeup and FX and all of that. Um, They set up that time. That was a bit of a process because the outfit for Senea, you know, that wrapped, gauze, mummified, Mm -hmm. we couldn't just wrap my body in the gauze because during any moment, it could be a moment of naked. <laughs> yeah. And of course, getting in and out of it for lunch and multiple scenes and those kinds of things. So they had to kind of figure out, wardrobe had to figure out how to make that gauze look work, but at the same time, um, making it functional within the scene. So that was a little bit of trial and error, but the wardrobe person was super knowledgeable and would recommend, okay, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's put this here, put that there. Can you take this off and put it back on? Can we, are we able to do that? So they were able to figure that out. And of course, during shooting, you know, there are little things here and there as you move around that they have to adjust. Um, So that got taken care of. Then the makeup person and hair person came in and they're like, well, you know, my hair was always like this, but I used to change my hair color all the time. So it could be green, it could be red, it could be purple. Um, Because of my other jobs, creative jobs I was doing, I was able to be a little bit more free. So coming to this and wanting to keep it consistent, I mean, maybe they knew I was coming back, but I didn't know I was coming back. So I think with the knowledge that they had, they had to create a look that they could then recreate if and when 
you know, the character was coming back. Mm-hmm. Or if we had to do reshoots, that's one of the things right. in, you know, shooting TV that you really have to think about. And so they came up with the hair and it, her being African, but I think also my like Jamaican vibe, they wanted to try to tie that in together. So that's how the hair. And then of course, she's an ancient character traveling through time. So everything kind of had to match and where she was coming from. So the teeth and all of that. So, Mm. yeah, so that was kind of the next process is creating the look of the character, the functionality of the look, being able to recreate the look um, for whatever the future of that character would be. Um, And then I then kind of went to work. Once I knew what the look of the character was, then everything kind of came forward. Um, One of the questions someone asked was about um, the voice of the character. Once I figured out that she was super ancient, she's been traveling through time, she basically is coming forward in the present. I was like, her voice needs to be something different. Like, I ended up using like a voice, you know, super raspy because I'm figuring she hasn't quite figured out what her voice in the present time would be. But at the same time, she has to have some kind of aged, traveled, and that was what came forward. I didn't really know what was going to come out of my mouth in that moment, because when I rehearsed my scenes by myself, figuring it all out, I was just, I was using my voice, like memorizing the words, memorizing and thinking about the character. But then when I got on set and I put the costume and I did the hair and they did everything and my makeup, somehow through all of that, that voice came out. And I th- everybody was like, because they'd never heard me speak like that, you know, but that was just what came out. Sharon, I would like to, to hear about your thoughts on the origin story of The Slayer. I, what, I love that you came to the show as a fan of the show because then it's, then it's not even just like, oh, I am the original first Slayer. It's like you have the whole mythos in your mind already. Yeah. So can you tell us your thoughts on this origin story, on um, you know, like the existence of Sinea as it's told in the series? Well, I think it's an awesome, like I thought about that, and I think think it's awesome because anyone that knows about mitochondrial DNA, right, know that we all come from this woman in Africa, right? And all of our DNA has a bit of it. So I thought that was really cool without saying it, that they kind of said it and made the Slayer from Africa, right? The origins of, you know, mankind, womankind, so to speak. And so, and of course, it being Africa, of course, it's a kind of a male-dominated society. Uh, So I thought that was super interesting. But at the same time, given... I mean, did did they give her her powers or did they awaken her powers? Which, Mm. you know, shows the balance between male and female contributions to power. And it shows Mm. that you... That's my interpretation of it. I love that. I love that too. Because I always feel like when you have a balance and female energies, there is a power. And I just love the story. And I've always been like, fingers crossed, for them to really bring her story more in the forefront. I I was always wishing for a spinoff show where you could really see all of the adventures that she's had from then till now. All of it. 
you know, there's, there's a huge story to be told. And I'm still hopeful, considering that like Black Panther was so successful. I feel like there's so much that could happen with Sinea. A movie would be incredible. Uh, I was actually reading last night that they really expanded her storyline in the comic series afterwards. I don't know if you knew wow. that. So no. they, yeah. So I was reading a little bit. I didn't know either. I was reading a little bit, and apparently there's like issues dedicated to her whole story and like the village that she lived in and and what she was doing and how she became isolated from humanity because. The people in her village. Oh, spoilers. Oh, my God. Sorry, everybody. Oh, this is a, all of our interviews. <laughs> right, are spo- right. Well, you're spoiling Sharon on, on her character storyline. But other than Sharon, uh, the listeners are good. <laughs> well, it's not it's not a huge spoiler, but just kind of how like the people in her village couldn't differentiate between the demons that she was fighting and her right. power. Yes. And so they they interpreted her as a demon as well. And so she was kind of expelled and, and had, was forced to live alone in solitude. But I think that's so interesting. That's an interesting parallel about like, you know, witches of like when they talk about that stuff and how they couldn't figure out what this power is that these women have. And it's to me, it's just um, kind of how things are. Right. We (laughs) have a lot of power and people often misinterpret that power as something else. And then when you don't understand it, then you create a dialogue, usually in the negative, because you can't handle that power. Mm -hmm. And now then things happen. Right. Mm -hmm. That's to me how I've looked at it. Right. A dialogue based out of fear that. Yeah. 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 Because fear is easier than accepting you know that power the power that power and lack of your own thereof yeah. or something yeah and or maybe fear of their power too because mm, you know power yeah. is, is 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 an interesting thing to have you not very many people handle it very well as we have seen <laughs> no, I mean, possibly really know true. what you're talking about yeah, yeah you know what i mean I, it, it's really true and you have to know how to harness that you have to know when to wield it you have to know when to pull back and what is real power is it being overbearing and like destroying everything or is it knowing how to balance that that's what i mean between male and female entities that's why we need mm. that balance mm. Yeah, I I love your I love your telling. And, uh, you know, for for those of you listening to this uh, conversation who are with us on our journey uh, and haven't like gotten a rewatch of season seven, you're specifically referencing um, the the shadow men and like the way that we're told that story, which has always been very unsettling to me as a viewer. And I think to a lot of people because of the way that it positions like we've had seven seasons of like, you know, these slayers are women and they have power. And so we come to this, this point where it's like, oh, but the power was like sourced from men. And I just love that. Like without batting an eye, you were like, yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting how it was chosen to how they chose to portray it because obviously we are living in a patriarchal society but let's (laughs) really talk about it you know it's really about that balance and it's about us coming to terms with the fact that balance actually is the best way to go Mm. you know but that's a journey as well you know Sinea is on that journey 
You talked about, you know, the the wish, and I think so many of us share this wish uh, along with you of <laughs> getting to see, you know, like there are, there are comic uh, arcs and more storylines of Sinea, but like really getting to see more of Sinea's story. Yeah. Um, can you just talk a little bit more about that? You know, you you were in the series and we got just the, the smallest taste of, of Sinea in those three episodes. And so I wonder, um, you know, what you might change about the role, if anything, um, or just expand. It's an exciting idea. And I've always said, I was like, there's something here. Um, you know, they because they did Angel and there was like a whole thing with that. And I feel like there was an opportunity that we could have taken at that time to bring forward this African Black girl, woman journey. And there's so many things that I think are left untold, untaught, unsaid kind of thing. Obviously, there's a great base already set for it, and people have gravitated towards it, which means I think that people are hungry to find out more or learn more or see where the character can go. And I love all that stuff where you go into like, like the occult and... I just feel like it could be an interesting woman's story. You know what I mean? Mm. From her uh, getting her power, realizing her power. How has she been able to survive a, a millennia? How has she been? Where has she been? What has she been doing? Did she live in a society at that time? There's so many opportunities. You could do it as a like a like a um, period piece where mm-hmm. what was she like in the 1900s? Where was she? Blah blah blah. And and there's I feel like there's so much you could do with it I don't know in my brain like I'm like oh my god there's so much we got this like little tease too uh, you know I don't know at this point maybe it was two years ago and I don't know if you read about it at the time but we got this information that we were going to get Buffy the Vampire Slayer back that it was yeah. going to come back but it was going to be different uh, yeah. and that the Slayer was going to be a black woman and it wasn't going to be a reboot uh, and the showrunner was a black woman and and everybody was like what is it going to be who is it going to be like could it have been a Sinea story? Like, could it have been? Yeah. And we don't know. And it's just sort of like disappeared. And, and <laughs> yeah. I, I want, if you're listening out there, like, we need you. <laughs> Let's put powers together. Yes, yes. Yeah, I've always been open to that idea. Always have been open to that idea. And um, I don't know. I hope that they pick up on it. I hope mm-hmm. they pick up on it. Because I feel like the time is right. And there could be a really good message that could happen you know i mean i don't know mm-hmm. how we would shoot it now in corona jail <laughs> <laughs> it just made me realize sorry total kind of side tangent but like if there were vampires right now living in coronavirus they would their numbers would probably be dwindling also i guess they can't really die but like how would they be feeding right They'd be now? They'd be so like, hungry. They wouldn't really be able to feed. I, maybe animals, I guess? They would be no, like, I think they'd be able like... to feed. There's a lot of people running around on the streets. <laughs> That's true. Actually, it could work out all in all for the best. <laughs> There's a lot of people. I said it. Mind. I'll take it on my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, like stay in your house in quarantine, wear a mask, or don't, and then like the vampires. The will vampires get you. will get you. <laughs> That's a story in itself. Yes. I love that there is like a whole world that's still happening around this show. It's just really incredible. And when I saw all this stuff about Sine, I was like, what? Well, and and that's one of the questions we had for you too. You know, I mean, it's been 
over 20 years since the show aired. Um, I mean, it's honestly, it's almost 20 years since the show went off the air at this point. And uh, it's obviously something that we talk about every day, all day still. Um, The podcast is, you know, our interviews are not spoiler free, but the podcast is spoiler free because we have so many people that are listening and watching the show for the first time. And um, I wonder what your experience was like being on a show that, because you came in in season four. So like things were really moving and shaking in Buffy the Vampire Slayer land then. Did you participate at the time or have you participated in cons and and like interacted with the fandom? You know, it's funny. Um, After I did the show, I received a trading card in the mail from my agent. And I was like, a trading card? Wait, what? What? She has a trading card? And someone had asked for my autograph. And so my agent gave it to me. I autographed it. We sent it back. And so that was super exciting. I'm like, oh, something's definitely happening here. Um, But I have not interacted with the fandom because I didn't even realize a fandom was actually happening at that Mm -hmm. level. Because, you know, you do the show and then I was a super fan of the show. I loved it excited, honored to be a part of it. Um, And then did the show. My family was excited. Mm. So, and then it became like, they kept adding and they asked me to come back and asked me to come back. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. Which means that they got good responses, right? From the character. But then I did that. And then you have to move to your next project, right? So I just kept doing more shows and traveling and I went to Europe for a while and, you know, just to work. And so I've been on my career and it's only in the last couple of years. I'm like, let me check in. Let me I saw an animated thing and then I saw like a story about, and I was like, wow, it is still happening. And so it made me have hope again. I'm like, I really hope they bring her back. I hope that they find a way to tell her story across the millennia and do something fun with it. You know, she's such an interesting untapped character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm really grateful to the fans too because it, it, it's an honor. Like it's an honor because I was a fan of the show, and I'm glad that people took that ball and is still moving with it. Are you a, are you a fan of like sci-fi genre shows in general? Like, is that was that your one of your things? Um, you know, you watch Buffy along with others, or was Buffy the standalone for you? No, I watched Charmed. I watched Angel. Um, I like all the superhero shows. Like that's one of the things, you know, like Wonder Woman and um, and I had the opportunity to work on a couple of like Marvel projects. Um, I did uh, Titans, do you know Titans? Yeah. Uh, do you know yeah. Starfire and all them? So I played Queen of Tamarack. Oh my gosh, amazing. I know. That's also another character that's, you know, it's a good one to explore and bring it yeah. forward. Because I just feel like the time right now is good for all of those kind of women characters, you know, mm-hmm. and Black women characters, mm-hmm. you know, with that's all of this funny. stuff going on. And I don't know. It's just, like, I feel like it's a good time to explore yeah. Yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, like there's finally space and people yes. are... Looking and listening and watching and people are open to hearing different stories that are not their own. Yeah, I mean, and by people, I mean mostly white people, of course. (laughs) And so I think it's a it that's something that's been really nice is that we've been able to open ourselves up to to just hearing different stories and and celebrating different stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's been awesome for me because that's one of the reasons I got into the industry because I never saw anyone like me. I was like, well, 
how, where are they? So I feel like I've participated in opening up some doors for people who look like me, who have that passion that want to participate. So I, I, I feel honored that I was able to do that. I mean, I had a lot of people that supported me and put me forward when my look wasn't popular. I mean, I became like a huge commercial success, like, you know, commercials for everything. My friends were like, you're like the commercial queen. (laughs) It's been an amazing ride. It really has been. And I'm looking forward to so much, so much more. And, and, and Sinea is one of them, the whole Titans crew. And, but I still continue doing things. I'm doing shows and all that good stuff. So well, yeah, will you tell will you tell us what you're you told us a little bit, but will you tell us like the projects that you're working on now or, or projects that you've recently worked on that you want people to check out? Because I know that people I mean, the listenership of our podcast were over the I mean, they're so excited that uh, you're here with us and that you're talking to us. And I know that so many of them are going to want to, like, just go and consume all the things that you're making. <laughs> uh, well, Right now, well, I just, before Corona Jail happened, <laughs> I call it Corona Jail, I was, I was doing a show, the show for the Bullwhip that I was talking about. The show is mm-hmm. called Cherry Boom Boom, and um, you can check us out, Cherry Boom Boom, the show, um, on Instagram and Facebook, of course. And you can also check out my Instagram page, with is Sharon Ferguson 007, so follow me for sure on there. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Right. Um, but the show is called Cherry Boom Boom. It was running in Vegas. We did a show in 2016, and then we started another show in 2019. It's an interactive dance show, and I MC that show. So I'm basically the person that kind of takes you through the adventure of the show. And the show happens literally all around you. So you'll look up and someone will be descending from the ceiling. And, but you can see all of the footage for, um, from that show. Right now, since the show had to shut down because of Corona, Vegas was basically completely shut down. We're doing a lot of things online now. We're getting ready to do a live stream show, which is going to be on August 21st. So it's happening. I literally start rehearsal tomorrow. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's really exciting. Wait till you guys see that show. I love, 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 love. Like, I love emceeing a show. I'm about bringing people together. I'm about making people smile and feel that joy. And what I love about the show is, like, when you're in the space or you watch the show, you are just free. You're just free. People love it. And it's super woman empowered. It's all women. (laughs) The dancers and the artists and the performers are, like, beyond talented like wait you see all the footage from the show it's like it's insane and it's super sexy it's super like the new american woman powerful yet vulnerable and sexy and it's everything you can think of all the looks the body shapes the strength it's awesome so yeah check it out and on the 21st that's our live stream show so tomorrow we kick it in the gear we get to. oh my god Ah, that sounds incredible it's hot (laughs) well i say that because every time we do a show and we have done a show women come up to us all the time and they're like oh my because you know sometimes you're in vegas and it's like vegas right Mm -hmm. blah 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 and it's so like sometimes it can be a little skewed towards the men 
But our show, women come up to us all the time and they're like, oh my God, the show is so hot. I just feel like I could do anything. Like it's so powerful. I just I feel so strong. And, and it, it's, that's what you want. That's mm-hmm. what you want. what is it's like the visibility right like the you know that it isn't it it isn't about what like men want to see it's about like us seeing ourselves reflected and realizing like oh I actually am sexy like I am sexy I look like this and I am sexy because I just saw somebody who looked like me and thought they were sexy (laughs) hot do you have I, uh, something that you said earlier made me want to ask you, um, and by the way, uh, for those of you listening, uh, all of this is in the show notes, all the links, everything you can find out all about uh, the things that Sharon's working on and, uh, you know, all of those things. You can find all of the sexiness below in the show notes <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. But, you know, Sharon, you've brought up like us being so in quarantine and like that this is just a, like that there's been a big life shift for so many of us, um, th- those of us who, you know, are staying inside. Uh, and I wonder if you have things that you're doing to take care of yourself right now uh, that you want to share with us as, a, you know, the listeners who are probably in their houses as well. <laughs> You know, I, these are just things that I normally would do anyways. I do meditate in the morning. I do work out like cardio. I have a treadmill. So I get on that and just kind of play around. And the one thing that I do that I love, 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 and it's always, you know, when I first started, my first agent said, you know what, you should find something that you love to do outside of dance that you can do no matter what. Cause you know, it ebbs and flows. And when you're not busy, you'll be able to do this passion project. I love gardening. And so I have a garden at my home and that's it. When things seem crazy, I go and I pull the weeds out of the garden. Mm-hmm. When <laughs> I feel like I'm not doing anything, I will plant something in my garden. When I feel like I just want to enjoy, I'll just water my herbs and my fruit trees and just and just be in the garden. And so that for me is a huge part of keeping it. Le- you know, Mother Nature teaches us everything that we need to know and everything that we need to move us forward. Mm-hmm. It's it's life, it's death, it's everything in the garden, truly. You know, so what I've done is I've created a section of the garden that's like butterflies and hummingbirds. And in one of my meditations, mm-hmm. yeah, isn't it awesome? One of my meditations, I'm doing this meditation right now that talks about creating a vision for yourself for the future and not being influenced by the memories of the past. And so in the middle of the meditation, it talks about um, getting a sign during the day. And every day you get a different sign. So yesterday I put a hummingbird feeder out in addition to the plants that get hummingbirds. And I was just sitting there reading and all of a sudden, three hummingbirds are like, and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Okay, wait, don't move, don't move, don't move. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you ever watch hummingbirds. They're such magical creatures. And so that was my sign yesterday. I was like, okay, light that feeder, it's working. So things like that, I think being able to look at beautiful things, whatever that means to you, because there's a lot of negativity going on right now. There's a lot of uncertainty going on right now. There's a lot of unrest going on right now. We are in a time where we are rebirthing ourselves, so to speak, and recreating what I think we want our, what we think we want our future to be. And we 
as this generation, honest to God, have to now participate. Because I feel like I was so lucky I was able to live the dream. Like I really was. You know, the dream that my ancestors from Jamaica, ancestors from America that they fought for. Like being able to live in my own home, being able to get up and walk the streets and, and, and have people greet me with love and not violence being able to be a creative person being able to empower other women being able to love on little kids being able to travel the world and expand myself internationally which opens up you know the world to you anyways i've been able to live my dream so now it's time for me slash us who have been able to have this gift it's time for us now to create what we want other people to mm. then enjoy. So, mm. of course, right now it's very difficult because I think some of us slacked on that. You know, we sat back in the cut a little bit, which is a gift being in America. It's a gift to be, have been able to do that and to be able to enjoy it. But now I think we have to start creating what we want the future to be. And it could be something huge like, you know, getting into politics. Or being able to just singularly smiling at someone, creating something that someone can enjoy, watching a beautiful love story, sitting in the park separate. Or I feel like right now is that time to do whatever little thing that you can do. If you have the opportunity to do something big, great. If you can do something little, great. Just participate in what we think we want our future to be. That's such a powerful piece of wisdom to just think about and carry and move forward in in today's times. And I think in general in life, just to think about how we can create the future that we want. Yeah, because it can, you could get bogged down with all the negativity. I mean, and you know, negative is like a snowball rolling down the hill. It just gathers speed and pulls people in. (laughs) But I think if you can, not that you're not going to pay attention to any of that, Mm -hmm. um, But you really have to try to, now is the time for people to be doing that work on themselves. People are getting all like, I don't want to be at home. I need to get out. I'm like, no, you stay at home (laughs) and get it together. So that when we come out, it's kind of like literally mother nature was like, go to your room. I'm like, she's like, go to your room and don't come out until you know how to act, how you mm. how to treat people, and you know how to behave. That oh is what God. I think that has happened. Yeah. And we have to take the opportunity to to face ourselves, look in the mirror and go, yes. I like this, I don't like that, but this is part of who my character is. I'm gonna keep a little bit of that, keep a little bit of this. Mm-hmm. Does lead with like love and compassion and yeah. And absolutely, like if you can't sit by yourself at home, like if you struggle with that, and I struggle with that sometimes too, it's like, why? Why am I having such a hard time sitting alone in my room? I yeah. to like think about that because there's something that my body wants to tell me, you know, mm-hmm. that I need to sort out. So it's an opportunity well, for growth. You can't be by yourself when it makes you think other people want to be with you. <laughs> <laughs> I look at it like with kids too. Parents raise these children that they don't want to be around. I'm like, well, what makes you think we want to be with you? <laughs> Sharon, you have so graciously shared your time with us. I, 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 we are so thankful to have had the time with you. Um, 
I I want to. We have so we had like one fun little tag question for the end, but I kind of want to ask you too now that you made such a big deal about Spike being <laughs> sexy. <laughs> um, first of all, so one of our listeners uh, on Instagram wrote in and said, "What would Sinea choose?" As the all-time Slayer weapon. And and this listener gave some choices, but also left it open to something else. So the choices they put down were the stake, you know, the classic stake, uh, magic axe, sword, uh, or, or something else. Well, originally I was thinking, because I just love sword fights. I love coordinated sword fights. I think they're like, you know, that whole <laughs> that. That I thought would be kind of cool because I think the choreography for that could be really interesting. But I am a big fan of the bullwhip and nobody Thank God. Does, it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> does it. And there's so much you can do with it. And it's an easy, like my bullwhip, a friend of mine made me a carry case for it so that you could literally just reach back, pull it out and crack the whip. So I I would have to go with the bullwhip. That's incredible. If you have a a picture of yourself with this whip and you want to share it with us, we will gladly let all of the humans see this because we're getting a little bit of a visual of what it looks like when you pull the whip out of your face, but... I know they'll want to see. Plus, I think there's like, you know, there's a special way that they make them. And the sound only comes from the crack, which is only about that big. You think it's the whole whip making thing. But it's only from the, 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 it only is that big. And that's the, you have to learn how to make that sound from that piece. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's a whole culture behind that. There's so many different weaves. I feel like that in itself could be like a whole thing. I'll tell you what, we probably have enough listeners in Los Angeles where if you ever wanted to teach people how to use a bullwhip, they would come running. They'd be lined up outside. Oh, yeah. Uh, eight, ten feet, then, you know, we could distance it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, my God. It's the perfect weapon for the current uh, time. Yeah. Can you imagine you're like walking around? It's like, if this whip touches you, you're too close. <laughs> It's always got to take into account whenever doing shows on stage for lighting. And, you know, you have to make Mm. sure your parameters, you have your parameters. It's awesome. Well, is there anything that we didn't bring up that you want to talk about? Any memory you have, anything that you wanted to share with us that we didn't dig into with our questions? Oh, my God. You guys were so thorough. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know... Um, no, I can't think of anything. I think we covered it all. I just, I feel so honored to have been asked. I mean, it's exciting. We're, yeah, we're so excited. We're so, so happy to have you on the show. Alive. She is alive. She, she is. is alive. She is alive. And, she, and we're only in our season five discussion. So we're only two two thirds of the way through our Sinea journey. Wow. Um, a lot of our listenership probably won't even be able to listen to this interview until we get past uh, the the final episode with Sinea where we where we really learn her history. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah exactly. Like how she was created. So, yeah. yeah. Well, well um, I want to thank everybody, too, like the fandom people for like keeping it going and being super interested in it. Um, you know, a lot of people, my brother keeps saying, he was like, you should do, you know, like a Comic-Con or 
or something like that. And so I've been thinking about it. I think the last couple of times it's happened, I was booked. So I wasn't able mm. to go. But I think it would be really fun, you know, yeah. to meet people and hear the stories and see you know, what they've gotten out of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Because it impacted so many people's lives. I mean, I started watching the show when I was 12 and like, here I am sitting with Kristen and Jenny talking to you on a podcast about it, you know? So it's like, it's, there's so many stories like that, I think. That's how you know it's a good product, so to speak. Mm. Doss had such an awesome idea and I always send him energy because I'm like, we need that to come back. Like that would be, not even come back, but just keep it moving forward, keep it creating, keep putting it out there because Mm. there's so many stories to be told, really, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again. Thank you for asking me. It's really an honor, really. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.